As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. There's no crying in baseball! I ate his liver with some father beans. I skinned. If I can change, and you can change, everybody can change! And welcome to another episode of Your Next Favorite Movie. I am your host, Josh G. And today, I am joined by author John Cowlin. Did I say that correct? Absolutely, yes. All right, go ahead and talk about the books you've authored, sir. Well, my newest book just came out about a month ago. It's called Baby Moses, and uh, it takes place in the Deep South in 1950s. And it starts off with a couple of down-on-their-luck racist Klansmen type, and they come up with this, they hatch this plan. They need 19 bucks to get back in the poker game on Friday, and they hatch a plan to start robbing black churches because they figured the law is not going to be on their tail if they're robbing, you know, instead of robbing 19 bucks from one person, they'll rob 50 cents from 19 people or whatever, 20 people, and then they'll be free. Uh, Meanwhile, Moses is coming home after being away for years and he's coming from Chicago and uh, his, the woman who raised him is Cleo. She's the one, uh, she's one of the parishioners in one of the churches that gets robbed. So when Moses gets to town, he wants to try to figure out you know, where the money went. And that's, that's kind of where the book takes off from. So I see, I know you got the Chicago element. I'm in South Carolina, so I'm right. kind of the deep South element. <laughs> well, that okay. Is- so here's like a, if we have time, here's a quick little weird story. So I am from Chicago and uh, as a kid, I was, well, as an infant, I was adopted like a couple of weeks. My, my biological mother was a, you know, a teenager who had me. And then uh, a couple of years ago, my wife gave me a DNA test. It turns out I have two half sisters and uh, they're both live in Arkansas and Arkansas. They live in Little Rock. And uh, I, I took the name of the town where uh, part of the book takes place in from about 20 miles from where they live. And this is before I even knew they existed. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So it was a, it's a weird. Yeah, it's a weird coincidence. Yeah, yeah absolutely. All yeah. right. Awesome. So we're going to get into this week's episode. You went with 2007's No Country for Old Men. Let me ask you something. What's the most you ever lost in a coin toss? Look, I need to know what I stand to win. Everything. Just call it friendo. What's in the satchel? It's a bowl of money. He's just a guy who happened to find that money. I got a bad feeling, Llewellyn. But it's a mess, ain't it, Sheriff? It did aim, it'll do till the mess gets here. I'm looking for Llewellyn Moss. You go up to his trailer? Yes. Do you want to leave a message? Yes. I don't come back and tell mother I love her. Your mother's dead. Well, then I'll tell her myself. You got a loose gun in here. You think this boy Moss has got any notion of the sorts of dead are hunting him? I don't know. He ought to. He's seen the same things I've seen, and it certainly made an impression on me. 
Just how dangerous is it? Compared to what? The bubonic plague? The crime you see now, it's hard to even take its measure. It's just all out war. You can't stop what's coming. What's this guy supposed to be, the ultimate badass? You don't understand. first yeah, right. this film uh 2007 when it came out in theaters um a couple of us i remember like you know a couple of us from work we don't usually you know usually i don't it wasn't a group that usually went to movies together but a couple of us decided that with a name like no country for old men it's time for a bunch of guys from work to go out to go to the movies <laughs> and i think that we are all kind of waiting for something a little more akin to like uh I'm not sure what something a little more uh, lighthearted B picture exploitation ish. And then as the, as the credits rolled, we're just kind of sitting there, all of us devastated, you know, like, are we the old men? Are we the new men? Are we the amoral men? Are we the moral men? Are we the forgotten men? You know, um, we were just kind of devastated and we just kind of stood up and went to our cars and drove away separately. Uh, it, it, was, it was an awesome experience, but it was yes. not what we were hoping for. Right. Oh, that, that that's, but that's a lasting experience. And that, uh, that explains why this movie has made an impression on you. Right. And you know, look, you've got to know that there are moments in your life where watching a movie, like the, the, the experience of watching it, where you saw it, the time you see it, who you're with, the environment, it's almost as fundamental to the experience as the movie itself. Does that make sense? Oh, it absolutely. I absolutely agree that that's kind of how a movie becomes one of your favorites is that it's connected yeah. to that first experience. I, I agree with that. I mean, I remember seeing the relic back in the 90s, you know, that really pretty mediocre to terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Tom Sizemore monster movie. Yep. But that's my it. wife and I saw it in this broken down theater in New Jersey, there's like, it's during a rainstorm. There's, there's water leaking from the, the ceiling. The lights don't work. And it felt like, you know, you're in the basement of this. It felt like you're in the, you're in the cellar of a museum and it was a great experience, even though the movie was terrible. Right. Yeah. I, I can see that being the case. Awesome. So for anyone who hasn't seen no country yet, why don't you just give a brief synopsis of what the film's about? Right. Well, okay. So I guess, most people would probably refer to it as a neo-western or a modern western not a lot of horses pickup trucks instead of horses you know shotguns instead of rifles that kind of a thing it takes place in the 80s but it has all the trappings of a western and um, basically the it starts off with uh, a regular guy named Llewellyn you know he's like a welder or something he's gonna go hunting in the desert and he comes across this massacre a drug deal gone wrong between we're guessing the Mexican cartel and the American buyers. And there's just, you know, dead people everywhere on both sides. And he kind of tracks someone through the desert and he finds a bunch of money. Meanwhile, one of the guys is still alive and he asks for water and Llewellyn has no water to share. 
So he takes his money home. And of course he gets it scot-free. He found a bunch of money and who's going to, you can't track him. It's impossible, you know? Right. Yeah. But uh, his conscience is eating at him. That guy, the guy that asked for the water. So against his, his better judgment, he fills up a jug, goes back there to give the guy the water. And don't you know it, the Americans who were waiting for the product to show up arrive and there's a shootout and now we're off to the races, right? That's, yep. that, that's kind of where we're at. Um, and the, the movie, I don't want to jump ahead. The, the movie promises, here's why the movie's great. One of the main reasons, the movie, we know it's a Western, right? And we know what Westerns are. We know what Westerns promise. We know the, the bad guy wears black, the good guy wears white. We know there's a shootout at the end. And this movie promises three, promises shootouts between three different pairs of people. There's this iconic villain, Shagur. And I mean, absolutely, just in my opinion, every bit as iconic as Darth Vader, every bit as iconic as, uh, I don't know, you know, name, name the iconic Jaws from, from James Bond. You know, it, it, it doesn't matter. It, it, just iconic with the hair, with the clothes, with the coin flipping, you know, uh, he carries, he doesn't have a shotgun. He has a shotgun with a silencer. And in the 21st century, it's awfully hard to make your villain memorable with a weapon that hasn't already been chosen, but somehow they did a shotgun with a silencer. <laughs> and he also has one of those uh, bolt guns used to like put up to a, you know, a cattle's head. Right. Yep. These are his weapons of choice. So there's the, and he's like this total amoral force. So our hero Llewellyn, we're waiting for him to go up against Llewellyn. Meanwhile, Tommy Lee Jones is playing the sheriff looking for it. So we're waiting for Shagur to go up against Tommy Lee Jones. And then meanwhile, Woody Harrelson is another kind of gun for hire hired by the same guys who hired Shagur to kind of go clean up after Shagur. And it's set up like, okay, well, there's going to be another huge, (laughs) you know, showdown. So this movie is, we just know that it's a Western and we know how this thing is supposed to work. And we're waiting for these three showdowns to happen. And everything leading up to it is so precise and methodical. I mean, do you agree with me? Do you know what I'm saying? I absolutely agree. And I I think I can attribute that to the Coen brothers being the directors of this, because this could have went the wrong way, I think, and would have much more formulaic, if you will. Right. Without without a good set of director or a good director, but in this case, they're brothers. Yeah. So anyways, uh, I, I mean, that's to me, that's the engine of the movie is, it's playing off of what we expect from a Western. It promises three things. And then we're waiting for those three things to happen. Yeah, I think that's good. So might have to get a little spoilery here. Don't want to go too much if we can. But if this movie, because you know how it ends. A lot of people hate the ending of this movie. That is a topic of debate. I've, I've once heard this movie referred to as seven eighths of the greatest movie ever because they absolutely hated the ending. Right. So if you had a chance to do a sequel back then, same cast of characters and everything, where would you go with it? Well, okay. So here's the thing is that I think, I guess I don't want to get too spoilery either. And I guess this is the time to turn it off because I don't want to ruin anything, but you know, here's the thing. People, the reason people don't like that ending is because those three showdowns that are promised are all purposefully anticlimactic. I won't give them away, but one of them doesn't happen. One of them happens off screen. And one of them happens with a whimper, not a bang. 
to me, that's the whole point of the movie. If you were to show any of those three the way that the audience thinks they want to see them, then you are giving the audience what they want. But the this movie, unlike a lot of movies of the same ilk, is a condemnation of the violence. It's, you know, it's not, it's, it's seeking to not glorify. There is a shootout in the middle of the movie, which is absolutely, you know, clockwork precise. It is so great, but it's a draw. And so we're waiting for the rematch, just like in Rocky two through whatever. Um, the first fight is a loss, you know, or a draw. The second fight is, is, is the rematch. And we're waiting for the rematch the whole way through. If, if they were to show any of that, then what we were wanting, then the movie is, it's saying that the answer is in guns and the answer is in violence. And what the movie is saying is the answer is not there. And that's why it's no country for old men, because that's the way old men used to solve things. Right. That's the way the old West was. That's the way Tommy Lee Jones father, you know, the sheriff's father was a sheriff solved things, but that doesn't work that way anymore. There is no solution in a gun. You shoot somebody, it's not over. You don't win the day. So the fact that it's anticlimactic in that way and the fact that it defies audience expectations and maybe even audience desires, in my opinion, well, that's what makes it, that's what makes it resonate. Instead of just being a great movie, it makes it a, instead of making a good movie, it makes it a truly special movie. You know, and, I, uh, I agree with your take on this. I think if they went with the ending everybody wanted, it probably doesn't hold up as long as it has. I think you're right on that. I, I like your take on this. We've seen the other movie a million times. Exactly, you're right. We've we've seen it a million times. I mean, we a drug deal goes wrong and guys fight over the money and then someone gets shot. The end. We've seen that like that's Lethal Weapon two. I mean, basically, <laughs> we've seen <laughs> this a million times. And it, this is based off of a book by a guy named Cormac McCarthy. I was going to ask if you had read the book or not. I had. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I've read. Um, I've read not a lot of Cormac McCarthy, but maybe like a half a dozen or so. And the reason is I haven't read all of it is because some of it, quite frankly, is so dense. It intimidates me like blood meridian. I've looked at the first chapter a couple of times and I'm, I'm not confident in myself as a reader that I'm able to like, I don't know, appreciate it for what it's, you know, for what, he, for what it's worth. But I definitely read no country for old men and all this stuff that we're talking about, these three showdowns that are anticlimactic that's how it is in the book. Okay. So they keep it faithful then. Absolutely. The showdown that I don't want to say who, you know, for, right. because if you're right. haven't seen the movie, but the showdown where it's uh, it happens off screen. Well, that happens off screen in the book. It just, it just cuts to a chapter where sugar is washing out the trunk of a car. It doesn't have, it just, it just leaves that chapter out the scene where uh, the showdown of the three, where it doesn't happen doesn't happen in the book like this is this is not the cohen brothers this is mccarthy uh, okay is, i'm getting that yeah i have not yeah, read yeah the this book. is Mac this is mccarthy's this is what mccarthy brought to it and in my opinion this is exactly what the cohen brothers th this is why they picked this movie you know this is the to my knowledge as far as i can remember this is the only movie they've directly adapted i know that uh oh brother where art thou is kind of like uh their their take on the odyssey and They've done some stuff like that, but this is, to my knowledge, the only one where it's like a direct, okay, we're taking a book and making the movie of it. And of all the books that they've read that they've made the movie of it, it seems to me that's the reason why is that ending right there. I like it. So now we're going to get into some people would call the dreaded remake. 
Yeah. Who would you cast for some of these roles? I think we'll save Shigur for last because that really is, for me at least, yeah. the key role in this okay. thing. So you're going to hate me for this. Okay. And I know we just met and I apologize, Josh. Um, <laughs> it, it can't be remade. It, <laughs> it's perfect. It's, it's absolutely perfect the way it is. I mean, if I was to say, I mean, it's Josh Brolin as Llewellyn. It's Tommy Lee Jones as the sheriff. It's a Coen Brothers movie. And here's why I say that all of the minor characters are as memorable as the main characters. And that's just purely the Coen brothers, you know, the, the old timer in the gas station with the coin right. flip. Yep. He's been there for like two minutes and it's maybe the most memorable scene of the movie. The Coen brothers, as you know, are totally, they're well known for making their minor characters through yep. the way they, they speak through the way they're framed through their costumes, through their, uh, you know, like the sit, like the, like the where they're sitting, like the chair they're in, and the stuff. They're just as memorable as the other characters. You can't even. I'm I'm serious. You can't even. You can't even recast the minor characters without without making it less. The the woman who I don't know if you recall, but there's a Shigur goes into the manager's office of the trailer park to look for Llewellyn, and there's a a woman there, and he's asking where Llewellyn is, and. She's saying like, uh, we can't give out that information. You know, she's like, she's, nope. she's the only one in the movie who stands up to Shigura, the only one. She's, she's perfect at it. Her expression on her face. She's the only one in the movie who can, who, who talks back to Shigur. And I think that's why he leaves her alive is because he respects her for. Right. I agree with that. You know, being the only one to like, tell him no, it's almost like, you know, he lives by a code. That's why the coin flip, that, that's why the rules he has. He lives by this code. It's an amoral code. He's not going by right and wrong. She, she has her own code as well. And I think he, she might be the only one. And I think he, re, he respects it. So any kind of cast I would give you to, re, to recast this is going to sound like, oh, what's that company that makes those uh, terrible direct-to-video ripoff movies like Ed yeah, like Graham? Oh my goodness. Asylum. Anything asylum, that gives yes. you gonna sound it's gonna sound like an asylum, you know, like no United States for old people is what it'll right. sound like. <laughs> that is that that you know what? That is exactly what that would be. Right. I just can't do it. I apologize. All right. Well, let's see. If anyone's still not sold, give that final argument. Like, say you don't like a Coen Brothers movie, maybe. Maybe you don't like a Western. And, and like I said, it's kind of sold as a Western. It looks like a Western. That final argument make people want to go see No Country for Old Men. All right. Okay. I'll give you, a, I'll try to give you a couple here real quick. Okay. And I think I mentioned one of them. You're going to see a villain that's every bit as iconic as Darth Vader, Freddy Krueger, the Terminator. <laughs> this character will continue. What's that? Did I have Jason Voorhees on my shirt? Oh, do you? Yeah. You and I, I are Hannibal Lecter, that's page. another iconic. Absolutely right. He's at this this character will exist in pop culture for decades to come, just like Hannibal Lecter, you know. And it's not just Hannibal Lecter, it's Anthony Hopkins Hannibal Lecter, you know. Agreed. Right. So um, and it's not just Jason, it's Jason in the hockey mask, you know, it's not Jason in the in the sack from episodes right. one and two. Um, this is the same. This is the same thing. You'll you'll see this in pop culture for decades to come. Number two, uh, the cinematography has got to be about as good as cinematography gets in cinema. It creates an absolute geography 
of whatever scene you're in, wherever you're in. And that leads into, I guess, my third one, the shootout in the hotel and the use of sound and cinematography in that. First of all, there's almost no music in the whole movie. As far as I can remember, there's maybe like some background music, or I should say foreground music, like when he's walking through Mexico, you hear like a, a, a band or something playing. Right. But basically there's no background music. And the way that the shootout happens in the hotel and like how one guy's coming up the stairs and the creaking and the steps and the unscrewing the light bulb and the shadows, in my opinion, it's a masterclass in filming an action scene and you don't have to worry about your CGI stunt doubles. You don't have to worry about a green screen. To me, it is every bit, and I don't say this, I'm trying not to be hyperbolic, but I'm, I'm, I'm being sincere when I say this. To me, it's every bit as thrilling and exciting as anything you're going to find in an MCU action sequence, only it's totally realistic like it could it would would totally happen that way like it's not super heroic there's no falling from the sky and landing on your knee it's like you get cut by glass you limp when you run but it's absolutely thrilling all right i think that about does it for this episode so john tell everybody where they can find you well i'm not really i'm not i mean i'm on twitter but i don't really post that much and i'm on snapchat or whatever but i don't really know how to do it basically what i'm talking about is my book is on amazon it's called baby moses by john collins c-o-w-l-i-n and uh you know i hope you check out the book that'd be awesome all right and as always you can follow the show at ynf movie pod we're on twitter and instagram be sure to subscribe to all your friends we're on all the major podcast platforms next week we'll be back with a different guest and a different movie And be sure to check back because you never know when you might come across your next favorite movie. You guys take care. I'll talk to you later.